Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figus Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, returning to the studios after being on the road for a long, long time. And what a strange, strange trip it's been. <sighs> so many things to tell you about. So many things to loop you in and let you know what my take on some of the stories and things happening around the geek first. But first, let's get to our sponsor, Dragon Meadery. Yes, that's right. Dragon Meadery, our new sponsor, who is responsible for the amazing Decapitated. They are the official sponsor of the Colorado Festival of Horror. And they have brought another spectacular wine to us this year that is available in the link below. And order it. The pre-orders are live. Don't miss out. Last year's wine went quickly. This year, I have the same feeling that that will happen yet again. Uh, Dragon Meadery has been gracious enough to give us something so tasty, and I, I, I'm in love. I've got, I had a sample, and yep, totally down. New label, new everything, and again, decapitated. Yep, use your imagination because it's exactly what it means. Anyway, moving on, let's talk the geek first. Let's first catch up. It has been wild. I have been to so many cons, and they're all starting to blur together. Dallas, Philly, Orlando, I mean, just all over uh, the country, and it has been a blast. We're working with Fan Expo directly, and I have to say that it, it it's, it's, it's great. It's like a dream come true. This is, I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I finally do retire because this is what people do when they do retire. So I don't know what I'm going to do because this, this essentially is the dream job, the dream gig, right? Touring around the country, going to conventions, making, making people laugh, engaging in the fans. I mean, this is spectacular. So there will be more posts. There will be more pictures coming as we see the cosplay the guests, everything that has gone on. But leading into this week, next week, is Denver Fan Expo. And we will be there. We will be there in force. There will be a lot of different things that uh, 5280 Geek will be part of, in addition to uh, the Colorado Ghostbusters are finally returning to Denver Fan Expo, well, Denver Comic Con previously, and then, you know, Pop Culture Classroom, and now the the aforementioned fan expo so it's been a while and it always seemed like a conflict for us as ghostbusters because there's always like another event so finally the stars have aligned everybody is excited on the team to come back to denver uh i want to say denver comic-con because that is what it is to us we know it's fan expo we know what the branding and all that is but to us it's always denver comic-con and we had a blast. We've had a blast in the past. So 
This year, we have some new surprises, some new things. Uh, we are also, as the Ghostbusters, taking donations for the Denver Dumb Friends League. We, uh, we feel bad about the COVID pets that people are dropping off at the Dumb Friends League, and we want to make sure that uh, they, they get taken care of because, I mean, let's face it, they're just little buddies. They just want to give us love. So let's give a little love back. So any money that we raise during this event, we will have prints and various things available at the Colorado Ghostbusters booth, which is number 1179. Come by, say hi, get a photo. Again, everything is free, but if you want to make a donation on, on uh, the Dumb Friends League, every cent we raise goes directly to the Dumb Friends League. So come by, say hi, get a picture with your, your local scientists, as it were, the, the Colorado Ghostbusters. So we're excited to be back, and it's it's been it's been fun. We have a new, a whole new display for uh, Koji B. The team is very excited to be there. We're, we're, we're thinking what else we can do to snazzy it up so we can't contain ourselves with excitement. And, yeah, that's the clue you get. We also made do a drop by the official Fan Expo after party, which is going to be held at Coyote Ugly. It's also part of the Breckenridge uh, Beer Tour on Saturday. Uh, it is going to be the party to be at, and again, it is the official Fan Expo after party, and uh, I haven't seen how to get in on the beer tour, and I know it's Breckenridge, uh, and I know that Coyote Ugly, if you show your badge, I think it's buy one, get one, or free entrance, I'd have to look at it, but check it out. That is where the party is going to be, in in my opinion. And with Breck there, I think it's stop number five on the beer tour. So there's, like, different locations that Breckenridge has got stuff set up. And, you know, we we love Breck. We, we Aaron last year, double-A uh, Ron, Captain Cheeseburger, private cheeseburger. But we like to, you know, change his title every once in a while. Private Cheeseburger, double-A Ron, uh, was the one that ended up winning the Name the Beer Tour last year. So... He didn't get it this year. I know he tried, but uh, congratulations to the winner. We'll we'll we might make an appearance. We know our love for beer, uh, especially uh, private cheeseburger, and eh, you never know. You can't miss us. Ghostbusters in proton packs are really really hard to miss. So speaking of Denver Fan Expo, now a lot of these celebrities are kind of on the circuit, and I've seen a few of them. In, where is it, Dallas? I think it was Dallas. I had an amazing exchange with Henry Winkler. So I was sitting there. I, I show up. No, or was it Dallas? Anyway, Philly or Dallas. I can't remember which. So Henry Winkler, and, and I'm in the booth. I'm hanging out and talking, and Henry Winkler's walking by. Just like, just I could reach out and touch him. And I love Henry Winkler just because he's so amazing. He is so approachable. He loves his fans. He's like one of the last guys at... The autograph area of all days. I mean, he he will he will duke it out. He loves his fans. He loves people, and he's he's amazing. So of course he's walking by, and you know we have a quick exchange, and you know I'm like, love you, Henry Winkler. He's like, no, no, I love you, and he says this like at the top of his lungs in front of everybody. My whole crew was just like, oh, Henry Winkler loves you, and I'm like, yay, I know. So I wanted to talk to him about his show. Better late than never, and I've I've talked about this show previously because uh, those are the questions that I had for when I was going to interview William Shatner because I, I I was just fascinated with the show. I thought it was so so fun just to see these guys you know 
out on the road. And, you know, George Foreman and Bradshaw, just to round out the, the, the quartet, was, was great. And it's one of my favorite shows. And I know they're like, they really didn't do anything. It's just the, the hijinks, you know, just, the, just to see them out on the road. So I just, uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see him again here in Colorado. In addition to him... There's also uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who we have had uh, many interactions with and who is amazing. He's so he's so gracious with the fans, and he just loves people, again, like Henry. Now, the one that I'm very and most excited about meeting for Fan Expo happens to be, it has to be, Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime. Now, we'll get to the Transformers movie here momentarily. But to to talk to him, there is the Peter Cullen experience, and it's two ninety nine, and it's Saturday and Sunday at eleven a.m. And I really want to do this. I I really want to do this, but because you get a photo, you get a signature, and you get a voice recording of Optimus Prime. Now I I, I don't know if I want to go in that far, and I thought about what I would have him say, but unfortunately. This is the side that I have the most issue with. And as much as I want the Peter Cullen experience, because who doesn't want to have Optimus Prime recording on on their, their digital platform, right? And if I'm going to replace the Space Ghost intro for the podcast, it has to be with someone just as great as Space Ghost. Who better than Optimus Prime? The problem that I have is that they, they, they have... A, it's, it's basically called a donut. And he has bookends of his intro and his out for different phrases that you can choose. And then you submit what you want him to say in between, fill the hole, hence donut. So the, uh, the problem that I have is nothing <laughs> as far as his out has like anything that would help me for the, the, the thing for, for, for the podcast. Now what I could do is edit just him saying what I need him to say and I could get creative with my editing and and do it but I don't why would I can't edit Optimus Prime can I hmm maybe so with that in mind I will be getting a signature I do have an Optimus Prime statue there's a base from the Palisades statue line from way back in the day before Palisades uh, went the way of the dodo that I will have him sign and I will I will get my 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 interaction. I've I've avoided it because oh my god, so at all locations that I have seen him at for Fan Expo, it has been a huge line, just monstrous as it should. It's Optimus Prime. But just to interact and just have a, a moment with him, I I'm excited to do I know, I think it's $60 ahead of the show, 80 on site if you pay for just the signature. And and I, I'll I'll do it one way or the other. I will get my signature from Optimus Prime. The other signature that I am hot after. It's been years, ages, since this artist has been in Colorado. I can only think of one other time in my memory that Mark Silvestri has been in Colorado, and. Mark and and I Mark actually recognizes me. I have had lengthy conversations with him at cons across the country and there is a particular statue that I want him to sign. I just don't want to cart it all across the country. So when I ran into him at New York and I had him sign my my Batman black and white that he did, 
uh, I talked to him. And, again, information was leaked that he was going to be coming to Denver. And when it was announced, I was not surprised because already had the conversation. So I have eagerly, eagerly been holding this statue, waiting for him to sign. And it is a Wolverine statue. And it is Wolverine brooding out um, from the cover of X-Men blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head because I'm just so excited because I'm going to finally get to show him because Sylvester says he's never seen this statue. And that is possible. I don't remember what the run is on this, but I know it was rather limited. So Wolverine looking like he's about to turn into a brood and the claws and all of that. It is a beautiful statue. Uh, once I get the signature, I will post it on our Instagram so you'll be able to check it. 5280Geek is our Instagram. We also have our daily ge- uh, moment of geek and cosplay and everything else. So if you're not following us on Instagram, please bounce over there. And you'll see all the other photos and things that I've seen from all the cons. And like I said, the moment of geek, which everyone everyone loves. They always ask, where do I get my ideas? And I'm like, eh, they're just there. They just float around in the soup. <laughs> so I will post up a picture of the statue i'm very excited to have him sign it but that's kind of where i'm at right now and i thought about going over to tara tara strong who voices harley i do have the arkham asylum harley statue i don't know maybe maybe it's a lot of signatures and i'm going to i'm going to be busy with the japanese arcade the tentacle kitty booth colorado ghostbusters i might be lending a hand over at uh, umbrella core in addition, the 5280 Geek movement. So, uh, the Dean will be on site. He'll be running around doing pictures and doing the amazing things that he does. Susie and Red will be in Florida. They will be going to uh, Supercon? No. Megacon? I don't know. They're in Florida that same weekend. So, both Red and Susie will not be here, which is kind of sad. I know, you know, having them at the booth and hanging out has always been kind of one of one of the fun things about hanging out. But we've been so busy, so hopefully we'll be able to catch up. Uh, Colorado Festival of Horror is not far away, so th- that might be the next time that all of us will be together at a con again. Unless they come up with me to Colorado Springs. But... That's a story for another day. So where to start? Lots of things going on. One story in particular that kind of jumped out at me, um, it was on the comic book side. And it's a story revolving around the Punisher. Now, the Punisher in recent years have has been watered down. The, I mean, I don't want to say the heightened environment that we currently are in has caused some bad press, some questionable ideas and things. And revolving around the Punisher, he seems to have been a focal point for some of behaviors. Now, the Punisher, the simple story, is he eliminates bad doers, mafia, illegal types, people that skirt the law, with extreme prejudice after his family was killed in a crossfire with gangsters uh, in Central Park. Okay, there it is. That's simple. So in recent years, uh, they took away the Punisher's guns because of gun violence, and rightfully so. Everyone should, if you have a gun, you should be responsible. Uh, and school shootings on the rise definitely understand we, we don't need that. All right? Kids should be able to go to school and learn and grow and become better humans than, you know, the ones that are currently here. 
So removing his guns is fine. They gave him uh, swords to go along with this new storyline, as well as retiring the skull, the, the iconic T-shirt that he wears, and making it uh, a little more uh, friendly. He's basically working for uh, a guild of assassins, and uh, his wife was resurrected. So, yeah, only in Marvel. I mean, you can resurrect the Punisher's wife, but we can't bring back Uncle Ben? What the hell? <laughs> so, the Punisher now, at the end of this story, his wife is upset. Um, she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, and the story continues that she was going to divorce him anyway before the shooting that took her life along with the children's. So, there was a lot of anger and animosity and feelings and, you know, just betrayal on the Punisher side because he's like, but his whole life quest is because, you know, revenging his family, avenging his family just to find out that things were not as peachy keen as he thought and she was ready to file papers. So, now, the Marvel Studios comics has permanently shelved the Punisher. The story ends with the Punisher being handed over to the Avengers by his estranged wife, ex-wife, formerly dead wife, uh, and he ends up waking up in another dimension where these children need protecting. So the Punisher is now on another plane of existence, thanks to Doctor Strange, and is left there to protect these children, and that is the end of the Punisher. Marvel Comics has not said anything of whether or not they will resurrect the character or bring him back anytime soon, but for the time being, this is the final fate of the Punisher. Good, bad, different, I don't know. I've seen a lot of violent comics over the days. I mean, kick-ass, good God, that was... I mean, there were some scenes in that comic that were just horrendous. There's The Walking Dead, which, I mean, to this day, I still can't get the image of Glenn being beaten to death with a baseball bat. I don't know if they're, they're ever getting that out of my head. <laughs> the boys, far from PC, far from any normal storyline ever, and extremely violent. I don't know if shelving the Punisher is the right idea. I don't know if they're missing an opportunity to properly educate people on how to control their rage or how to direct things. And fundamentally, I don't know if that's the direction we need to go. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I just see a weird turn of events for a character that is about justice, although be it extreme, is still has a moral obligation in code in his mind. I know it got a little out of control, and maybe just Marvel doesn't know what to do with the Punisher, and, and that's fine. I wouldn't know what to do with the Punisher because some of my favorite stories are back in the beginning of him blowing up restaurants and, you know, taking on organized crime. So I guess you run out of crime figures and you end up in another dimension taking care of children. The question that I have is how does this affect the MCU? And I know that The Punisher is supposedly become, will be coming back to Netflix. We have a new, you know, uh, Daredevil series coming. We have kind of a albeit watered-down kingpin, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Rumors have it that the Echo series is going to have one gigantic, massive uh, release, I almost said dump, uh, massive release to see if this helps the series move along and keep, um, I don't know, short attention span people from not coming back. 
as some of Marvel's previous stories uh, have have been a little lackluster. We'll get to the uh, the new uh, Secret Invasion here in a second. The only thought and worry is the Punisher is over the top, but then that's what comics are. DC has made a a history of being absolutely brutal to their characters. I don't mean to get off on a rant, and I'm going to end this here, but is this the right end for the Punisher? I don't know. Maybe, but I guess only time will tell. And speaking of other Disney shows, Secret Invasion. First episode landed, and you know what? I liked it. I'm in. I mean, there's only six episodes, but it does feel like a very whodunit spy thriller. You can't trust anyone simply because they can change their face is very cool. The whole you can't trust anybody uh, cliche is is well in effect, but it's kind of upped a little bit. The return of Nick Fury to Earth is is clandestine. It is awesome. And... We kind of have like a mystery of why Fury left in the first place. We kind of know why, but they definitely take this on as part of the struggle that Nick Fury is currently having after being erased during the blip. There are a lot of interesting situations, some fun stuff, some surprises with appearances, I'm not I don't want to give any spoilers cuz it's only the first episode. So I'm sure a lot of people will be catching up with it this weekend. But there is one twist that I'm really annoyed and it seems like a huge waste and missed opportunity in my opinion. And I know things aren't always as they appear in Marvel comics and that's fine and maybe this will be the case. But uh, I I'm I'm a little annoyed with one of the twists that we get right out of the gate. There are I think a lot of cool things about to come. We've also got Don Cheadle coming in, and he hasn't donned uh, the the suit yet. I can only hope that he does. I'm really anxious to see what we get. Not to mention if we're going to get any other like MCU characters that, you know, haven't been leaked or we don't know about. So, so far, really, really impressed. Especially with Samuel L. Jackson. He just, it's hard to put it into words, but there's definitely a different edge to him so far in this story. You can see reminiscence of the the Nick Fury that we know and uh, just how Samuel L. Jackson has portrayed a lot of his characters. And you see that come through with his dialogue dialogue between him and Telos and uh, just how he is interacting in this world that he basically pulled himself out of and has been in space on a satellite trying to make sure that the earth is well defended and that's great but to see how he tries to reintegrate himself and everybody's doubting him and everyone has questions in regards to his capabilities i know we will see the nick fury of old and it does kind of feel a little bit like a kenobi type setup where the man has lost faith, he's taken a beating, he's, he's kind of done, but he's still trying to do the right thing, and coming back to Earth was definitely not part of that plan. What happens next? Anyone's guessed. But I will let you know my thoughts and takes on it as it grows. 
He also, on the other side, Paramount Plus, has premiered Strange New Worlds, season two with episodes one and two now at this point. And episode two is very interesting. I know we do Monster of the Week, and some of the original series did have some compelling kind of court dramas. And I admit, at the beginning of this episode, I was a little bored. I was just kind of like, eh. But by the end, and this is where I really I really have to applaud this show. The superior writing, the approach, and just the setup that you don't see coming at the end. This show, again, last year was was a bigger hit for me than I expected. I, I loved the approach to the characters, the familiar yet unfamiliar, and just kind of tiptoeing around the original series in addition to what we think we know about the Federation, about Starfleet, about Strange New Worlds. And the Monster of the Week formula works very well for me because maybe that's just my generation and that's what we have come to love and expect with our favorite sci-fi shows and everything else that goes with this and Strange New Worlds has I think capitalized on that we do have to get our characters back in the the saddle so to speak especially with the cliffhanger that we had last season so with the court scene and everything that they they build around this it's it it's so well it's so well done and the writing on it is superb. And this is why I, I have been, I think all of us have been longing for with other shows, especially when you're dealing with the MCU, when you're dealing with like these, these shows that cheat and cut corners. This is, this is writing. This is creating. This is, this is tension. This is release. This is, this is, I cheered. I'm like, Yeah. I almost think I got misty just because of the flow of emotions. I don't do that. What are these emotion things you speak of? It was great. They capitalized on these characters. I feel for these characters. I like these characters. I want to see these characters do amazing things. And Strange New World so far has delivered. Especially with the premiere episode, seeing Spock, not Spock, but Spock is 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 great. Because... They can actually explore different things of Spock that we never thought possible just because of where he is in the timeline. So it works well. Totally on board. If you don't have Paramount Plus, I do apologize. Sorry. Maybe somebody will give you their passcode. I don't know. Um, but it is it is worth the watch. I'm excited to see uh, episode three. Also, in TV news things that I've caught my eye. A couple of things. Let's go over to the DC side of the world. And I hate to say I was right. No surprises here. As Superman and Lois get renewed for one more season in the wake of Gotham Knights doing a one and done. Again, I told this was going to happen. I expected this to happen. As much as I loved the Court of Owls and their idea of Gotham Knights, it just, it was... Ugh. It just, no, just no, <laughs> just, just no. I mean, I like the idea of maybe getting a Two-Face. I like the idea of the Court of Owls. There's a lot of great ideas. Stephanie Brown, the spoiler, which is in there. Um, the Clue Masters, some, some great elements, but no. I mean, Duella Dent never really ever thought we'd see the character, and the character was executed Brilliantly, I, I have to say that the actress that was 
uh, portraying the Joker's daughter did a tremendous job. In fact, I put her on my radar. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what she does next, simply because it was that well done. I thought, great. The rest of the show, unfortunately, around her. Ooh, maybe if the writing was different. Maybe if it was a different preference. Maybe if the characters that we wanted to see would show up instead of just this hodgepodge menagerie and just... Uh, absolute okay sorry absolute drivel in writing i i don't like to point bad fingers and say this sucked but it did let's face facts bad i know a lot of people enjoyed it and that is fine uh and maybe this is just not for me maybe this just i have outgrown certain things but as the inner comic book fan in me i try to give it a chance and i did i watched it painfully and and you know a few bottles later it's still painful to watch (laughs) no surprise now on the superman and lois side this season has been particularly heavy it has dealt with some very difficult topics it has dealt with some very humanistic issues and i applaud them It, it it is hard to tackle some of the subject that they did while integrating it into a comic book world because right away in the comics and we're dealing with kryptonian science cancer should seem to be relatively easy to deal with but they 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 took this head on and i i commend them education is great having dealt with cancer issues in my own family and seeing the ravages of this disease is is difficult and to see them take that on is inspiring. A little bit heavier than I want to deal with, but, you know, you power through. There is still other stories that happen. There are comic book edges to it, and, and Bruno Mannheim um, was great. And to see that kind of evolve and to just kind of cultivate some of the characters this season in the fashion they did has been has been interesting. A little, a little, like I said, a little deeper than I'm, I'm willing to to give for when I'm trying to check out and just watch something. You know, Superman's not my favorite, but I, I love the portrayal. I love the characters. I love the actors, and all of this just seems to work well in what my my vision of soups is right now. The last episode is about to air for the season, uh, and the addition of Lex Luthor finally. Uh, being released from jail has definitely got my 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 attention. The if you haven't watched last week's episode, just to see the new Lex is is great. Uh, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead and you know Abraham, he is the gentleman that is Lex Luthor. And I gotta say, holy balls! I mean, I love John Cryer's Lex Luthor. Don't get me wrong. I think he's probably one of the best Lexes next to um, Smallville, Michael Rosenbaum. But just to see the intensity and the anger and the emotion that's delivered by this new Lex is scary as hell. Holy shit. This was the exchange at the end of this episode made the whole thing worth it. The 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 build up of where Lex gets released, but nobody knows where Lex is. And of course everyone knows that of course he's heading straight for Lois, straight for Clark. And to have it not only pay off, but wow, 
to really just sell this moment is intense. The interactions, the the emotion, the raw, just vicious anger is all is the best title and description that I can give. Especially when Lex and Clark square off. I mean, it looks like Lex is going to go blows with Clark, not knowing, of course, you know, he's soups. But I think, I think he's on to it. I think there's something he saw with Clark that it clicked. The glasses may hide, but it doesn't hide everything. So we'll see. I'm sure the final episode will expand on this a little bit more. We do get Otis, which is awesome. So I, I can't, you know. Lex is not Lex without Otis. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll see how they close out and what we come back with for season four. This will probably be the final season for Lois and Clark, in my humble opinion, unfortunately. I Again, the show has been fun. It's It's gotten me a couple of times, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, whatever whatever universe or how Gunn is building DC at this point, he takes into consideration the show because it is it is fun. I do like it regardless of how much I bitch about, you know, the the weird moment of emotions that happen. It's such awkward times and now we add a diner. So I don't know. It's it's fine. It's either here they're there, but okay. <laughs> Also in shows, the final, speaking of DC, final, final Flash aired. And it was kind of a mixed bag for me, to be honest with you. It ended basically how it started. And the final message is hope. I, I, I mean, that's the best message that I think anyone can get at this stage of the game. And for Flash to run as long as it did, uh, I still think it was the stronger of the CW Arrowverse shows. And I liked it. I mean, Stargirl was it's a close second. I'm sad that they I think they ended that sooner than need be and only going three seasons. I mean, I guess it probably fits before it starts getting stagnant. Um, and and that's fine. The one thing. So Flash ends. If you haven't watched it, I'm sorry, but I, I, you should have been able to see it by now. Um, I got issues with a couple of things. Let's say it all. So the issue. I have with Flash is that the okay the ending is is great it kind of leaves it very optimistic and full full of hope which is like I said is awesome but we finally get like characters that I have been waiting for to show up at the very end I'm like seriously are you kidding because especially when uh, you you finally show me Max Mercury, who I have been waiting for for so long, who in the comics is the mentor to to Bart. I know they kind of shifted it to Jay Garrick, which is great, and uh, John Wesley Ship is is awesome as Jay Garrick. I think he as you know the older Flash is spectacular, but. Um, I would like to have seen Max Mercury. He, he is very, very, very important to the Impulse story. So to get him at the end just seems, again, like a wasted bit of, of, of storytelling. I know I would have been happier with The Flash if we had more speedster stories, and I know maybe that would have been boring to some, and I know not everything is about me. Yes, I am well aware. But I think there would have been a lot of fans that would have jumped on the bandwagon the same as me and would have said, yeah, this is great. But I digress. The whole thing that really bothered me about it was the final fight. They wrapped everything up 
in 30 minutes. And when you're dealing, I know, speedsters, you expect things to go quickly. However, not that quickly in my opinion. And I think that it would have been best if they had at least tried to do a 90-minute final episode instead of shoehorning everything in at, you know, the 30-minute marker and then we wrap all the, the stories up. I would also have liked to have seen the return of some other characters. We had so many interactions with so many different people over the course of Flash's run, the Arrowverse, the Crisis, all of these characters that were kind of out there that helped add to the Flash's story. Again, mixed opportunity, uh, missed opportunity. I don't know. At the end of it all, I am glad that Flash is over. I I don't need to nitpick it any further. I don't have to be disappointed or I I don't have to go on saying, well, okay, at least they did this right. Flash slowly (laughs) uh, started to fail in a lot of areas. And I think the actors just got kind of tired and bored of playing their roles. And that's fine. Everybody wants to have something new, something fresh, and everyone had moved on. But, I mean, we didn't even get Cisco back, who was a crucial part of uh, the entire series. It's hard to say what works best, and I know who all is available for schedules and and things like that. The real life takes precedent, and I understand that. But I don't think uh, a lot of them are, um, you know, working, working hard at the moment. But... At the end, I mean, we didn't even get Impulse. We didn't get anything. Uh, I mean, not even Kid Flash. The final episode just seemed... Wah, wah. It's over. And how it started, the the whole narrative, it was fine, I guess. <laughs> so, all, all in all, yeah. Maybe maybe it's time. Maybe maybe giving Gunn the the control is exactly what uh, is exactly what we need. So we'll see what Gunn has in store for the Flash. We'll see what all the Arrowverse is retired and the end of Superman and Lois next season, which I think is a pretty good bet. But eh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, moving along, let's talk movies. The summer movies is well underway. Lots of things have landed that um, have actually really been fun for me. I mean, it really started with Super Mario Brothers, which I think is a spectacular film. I know that there is uh, a new extended version that was released onto video, which I plan on buying. Just need to go and get it. It it, it was fun. It was a great movie. It was so worth it and i'm hoping we see a sequel i really i think they would be dumb not to do a sequel on it and there's so many things left in mario to like touch on the other film that stands out to me is like spider-man into the spider-verse this is wow i'm really i'm really just wow and I'm trying to give any spoilers, and if you haven't watched, uh, read our review on 5280geek.com as far as the meat and potatoes of Into the Spider-Verse, uh, you should. Spoiler-free, of course. And I'll try and remain as spoiler-free as possible, but wow. 
the so there are some and this was something that I know has kind of touched on by other people especially uh Guillermo del Toro who was talking about the advancements in animation now to be fair Mario Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and um are very very different animation styles not to mention we also have uh nintendo's no excuse me nickelodeon's teenage mutant ninja turtles which will also be coming up which del toro cited in his interview all very different all very captivating and very interesting to watch the choices that we saw in the spider-verse cartoon are unlike anything that I have seen, and it was like watching art on a lot of the scenes. There are moments where it pulls back, and it's just this collage of color with the characters in it. There are some where the washed-out backgrounds, although it makes you think your eyes are going a little wonky, are impressive, and it, it really adds to the level of the animation. And I think... That the choices in colors and just the mutedness and just how the background is there, but it's out of focus. It's a little blurry. And to have all of that work together so well is tremendous. And the animation is unlike anything else out there. It's it's not your usual kind of 3D-ish that we see in Mario. And definitely not what we see coming by the previews for the Turtles. But it's artists in motion. It, 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 it's amazing. And then add the story to it. The story and the characters and everything else. You quickly forget that you're watching a cartoon. That you're, you're in an animated film. And I know that a lot of people refuse to see animated because they're like, I'm not a kid. And I just don't get cartoons. And blah, 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 blah. That's fine. But... If you're in for a story, if you're in for the characters, if you want to know about uh, a good time, then this is it. I have to say that the whole Into the Spider-Verse was phenomenal. I mean, it was just wow. And there will be a third one, especially when you see how the, the second one ends. And I'm I'm fine with that. It was exactly what I well actually it wasn't even exactly what I expected it was way more and Spider-Man 2099 is awesome I mean he's always been like one of my favorite unused Spideys and that's fine and you can't use all of the Spideys all of the time but to see this whole story unfold is impressive especially when we see so many easter eggs so many cuts to different spideys and different universes and how they uh approached that is is great and i i'm i'm wishing hoping that they they continue with this kind of approach there's a lot of opportunities i don't know how they're going to finish it off in the third film only time will tell on this but i think it is um is 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 great and Miles, perfect. Every character in here is damn near perfect. We even get uh, Ben Par- Peter Ben Parker, you know, from the first one back, and he's you know, he's 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 perfect again. All of these characters are great, and even the Scarlet Spider, who has been pulled right out of the comics and has just been created as this this broody, just 
I mean, making fun of the character at the same time, the dramatic edge and everything, it is great. And the dialogue that we see, especially with Spider-Man 2099, is spot on. I can't, I can't emphasize how well they they have done with the crafting of the characters. I mean, we even see some of the live action and everything else in 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 this. So, taking into consideration all of the Spider Verse and all of it, it's it's well worth the the view. On a side note, and, and speaking of Spider Man, the trailer for Craven came out, and I'm not really sure I'm in on this one. So speaking of being, boy, flippy floppy, right? The okay, so it's nice to see the guy from Kick Ass take on the role of Craven and uh, just the overall idea. But I've fallen for this before. And Morbius, who albeit has a very compelling backstory, who has something that a little more substance to him. And completely got missed on the mark on that one. I'm not a fan of the Morbius movie. I, I, no, just no. So now we're going to bring in Craven, who has even less substance. Um, there's no real mention of the chameleon, which I think we need that to balance out Craven and to give him a little more substance for his uh, character. But we don't have Spidey, which is a crucial piece to the Craven story. There's a lot that goes on, and I know everyone's asking, does Craven have superpowers? No, he's a hunter. And depending upon, there was, I, I think it was a cartoon, where he would drink different serums to give himself superpowers and strength to wrestle rhinos. I think that was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But Craven is not, I mean, and let's face it, the most compelling story is Craven's last hunt and how that goes. Now, rumor has it that they are in Peter, Peter, uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Verse, which I still say we need to give Andrew Garfield his third Spider-Film, to be fair. I do like him returning in, you know, the film, and just to kind of see him in the Spider-Suit again gave me, gave me a case of the feels. Now, if they bring him in to battle Kraven, that's fine, and... I know that there is rumors that they would like to see Craven face off against Spidey. And it might be a fun fight. I don't know. Again, a lot in the air and I'm not I'm not seeing anything for this Craven. I'm really not. And as being a a fan of Spider-Man, I'm not ugh, very ugh. We'll see. And it is just a trailer. I'm sure there's more to come. There's a lot of secrets I'm sure Sony is sitting on, so only time will tell. The other couple of films that I have seen of starting out with Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Okay. Um, I think we do have a review for this up on the 5280 Geek website. I'm of the mindset that it's okay. Going back to the 90s and kind of revisiting and doing a soft reboot of the series, I think, is necessary. We do get Unicron, and it's about damn time. And I think the the portrayal of Unicron and how they bring this into existence is very cool. But what I think we should do is just eliminate the human element altogether. Let's just get rid of the people. Can we just get a Transformers movie? They are the point of the film, right? <laughs> it's called Transformers, not 
people in Transformers or the humans meet the Transformers. No, it is Transformers. And I know maybe we need kind of a human element and there are some interesting ties and we'll get into this in a second uh, of what is going to come I think and maybe this will add a little more to the human element and again no spoilers but make sure you stay for the post credit scene I uh, I don't know I, I, I can see where this would help both franchises involved if they go in this direction and I know a lot of fans have been screaming for it the problem is will they do it right and it's a huge it's a huge burden. That is a big undertaking considering what um what it may entail. And I don't know. I think I'm kind of on board for it. I think it makes sense. And I was talking to another uh Transformer enthusiast in one of the other forums and they they're kind of one foot in, one foot out. They don't see it they think they, they've already screwed up with the other franchise and to you know, bring it over into Transformers to try and save it, that seems a bit premature because they haven't fixed the other franchise yet. Well, okay. I see valid points on both sides. So what happens next is anyone's guess. I would like to see them continue like in this 90s trend where we get a few more Transformers. But the big gorilla in the middle of the room on this the one that just seems to be continually missed where's megatron i know the human element is necessary i guess but what about the big bad for optimus megatron is always been there he's always been the rival for prime so why can't we get a proper scheming planning military mind of Megatron. I mean, the Netflix series got it right. Why can't we get it for the live action? I don't know. It's a great question. Maybe one day I'll have an answer. The last other movie so far this summer that has come out is Flash. Um, okay. Again, our review for this is on the website if you want to see what, what it is. I'm, it's entertaining. It's interesting. The The big sell for me on this is Michael Keaton. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I like I like Batfleck. And to see him, you know, as Bruce Wayne for the moments that we do is great. I still think that there is a missed opportunity for the Snyderverse and bringing Affleck in a little bit stronger. I would like to have seen more of him than we did. Now, to get Michael Keaton back in the Batsuit... <laughs> is great and the shots that we get with keaton are uh, classic i mean and, and it's kind of like we're on the inside joke with keaton as he's you know doing the scenes and being batman and it's just kind of like tongue-in-cheek kind of like yeah i'm back as batman you know it you love it and they kind of move forward with it so you feel like you're on the inside of a joke as the story and everything unfolds the cgi is less than impressive and in fact i'm kind of disappointed that after all of this time that we have had ezra miller's personal issues uh the delays from covid all of these elements that could have helped enhance this film uh didn't or you have Ghostbusters Afterlife that went back to uh, the CGI, went back to the story, that fine-tuned some of those awkwardness and those those moments, then uh, I, I just... Uh, 
you had time. You, I, I mean, I know everyone is hard-pressed and they want to get this out so that Gunn can move forward with his, his plan for the DCU. But I just... Huh. Yeah, just... Huh. I don't... I don't... Eh. I don't know. I can't... It's fun. There's some neat twists. It is... It's a better DC film than some but not as good i mean let's face it after wonder woman that really did raise the benchmark for dc films aquaman the first one was relatively good decent i know we'll probably never see the second film but i mean the first one is good so to see this kind of go backwards and even the shazam films have been more um engaging than than this but again fun Ezra Miller does a decent job as Barry and I can't I cannot deny his approach to the Barry Allen character he does a good job it it is fun it's just I'm being probably too nitpicky so that said and me being vague there has been a very interesting development and it kind of revolves around one of the other stories that I've touched on oh before I get to that one though um Beetlejuice 2 looks great we saw some images of Winona Ryder going back to her goth days and Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice looks I'm really looking forward to this movie that and Haunted Mansion Uh, I saw like some of the earlier uh, footage for that and I'm really in for that film as well Anyway, uh, some of the developing stories, and this is one I was following. I kind of knew about it uh, 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 ahead of time. And it deals with the G.I. Joe and Transformers licensing, which I was just kind of talking about. The The funny thing is, I was under the impression that some other company was going to end up with the license for these IPs. Uh, and that company is whatnot. I knew uh, Privy uh, that they were, they were working on it. Whatnot is, if you're not... Uh, if, if you don't know what Whatnot is, it's the QVC for comic books. You have a lot of uh, personalities, talents, and other uh, influencers that get on there and help direct you in the ways of comics. Uh, they're not bad. They, they help facilitate and give a voice to collectors. Now, Whatnot was a very big major footprint in the con scene last year. In fact, a lot of the cons uh, donated... I mean, a significant amount of space to whatnot as they did their streaming shows. They interviewed guests. They talked about exclusives, uh, variants, and and things about the con. So far this year, not a single whatnot booth. I have not seen uh, Heidner hair of whatnot. So a mission accomplished, I guess. Come in, get everyone hyped up. Get them onto the whatnot page and move on. I don't know if that is being harsh, but the reality is whatnot's nowhere to be seen. And I've seen a couple of people from whatnot wandering around and visiting various artist booths. And I think that's probably dealing more in line with their variants and exclusives, which brings me to the point of the story. They, I know, <laughs> that they were trying to get Transformers and G.I. Joe. Today it was released, well, at least not today, but recently, the uh, acquiring person of said properties is Robert Kirkman. Kirkman is now uh, the proud owner of both Transformers and 
G.I. Joe IP for the comics. So under Kirkman's Skybound um, banner, he now basically has both Transformers and G.I. Joe in what he is calling the Energon universe. This week on my top five, this was actually one of the bo- uh, books in there, or maybe this, not this week, but the week before, uh, probably the week before, uh, yes, two weeks ago, uh, an issue called Void Rivals. And it was kind of like a new take into a new universe and all of this. And Kirkman's, you know, doing something outside of Walking Dead and Invincible and, you know, a couple of other titles he's been kind of kicking around. Now, the whole point of Void Rivals is basically to bring in this massive twist of a joint universe with uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe. And both of them coexisting in the same story, which is, I think, kind of cool. I mean, Transformers kind of did their thing between, I mean, they got handed around for so many different publishers. Uh, Dreamwave, IDW, just to name a couple, and G.I. Joe has just been in the same boat. So... Kirkman, I guess, when he started Void Rivals, had this specifically in mind as the end result. Uh, So Kirkman was quoted, and he told IGN this, uh, I dove in feet first and couldn't have been more excited. I immediately was starting to put together the plans that ended up becoming the Energon universe, trying to figure out new ways in those characters. The Energon universe kind of strips back to the beginning and it's going to kind of be a ground floor exploration of these characters and I'm excited to see it Kirkman I mean this has been an an ongoing conversation between me and a couple of other uh, influencers in regards to writers how much do they have in them and how much can they deliver you've you've seen stories kind of peter out and how much is left in the tank is an interesting question does Kirkman have it in him? Does he still have the magic? Is the lightning and the genie still in the bottle? Is there the opportunity to um, to bring this about? And uh, we've seen it with other writers, even artists. There's only so much that they can do, and it starts being rehashed and repeated, and it's the same thing, it's just different rapping. So I don't know. Kirkman went on to say, Void Rivals was even down to the title. I wanted something that sounded like it could have been a cartoon and an action figure line in the 80s that would have been running alongside them. I wanted to try and come up with a concept. Two warring alien races living on the edge of a black hole. That seemed like it fits the era. It was all tailor-made to be part of this thing. So already he's got ideas and how he's going to bring all of these together. And to be honest, I'm really excited to see what he puts together. I don't know if Whatnot had a better, bigger plan, but I think what would have ended up if Whatnot had gotten the licensing for these two IPs, it would have went the way of IDW or DreamWorks. A lot of variant covers and kind of not so many great stories. I was there at the beginning, especially when they started, eagerly ready to pounce wanted the stories give me give me give me give me the substance wasn't there the art was okay the cover art was spectacular of course that's what you want when you're dealing with a comic right i'm i'm of the mindset that both need to be there 
So we uh, eagerly await to see what we get. Uh, I know that Kirkman is has hinted at different things i know that opening up we are going to see linded series starting with like duke and cobra commander which uh, okay that you have my attention so let's let's see what on frills let's see where kirkman takes us and then of course with the transformer side he is talking about jet fire and integrating that into the story and how things bridge together Will uh, will this be great? Is it a reliving of the 80s? Am I going to get my Saturday morning cartoons in a comic book form? <sighs> I can only hope. And what else? What else has caught my eye? That's kind of a lot of everything going on inside the old noodle so far. There was one thing that I kind of, well, uh, I had an issue with. And I know this is probably going to sound strange. And this might be my final take for this podcast. And it's about Willow. And Disney's decision to to pull uh, the Willow series from its, its, its lineup. And I got an issue with that. I know that I, I came down hard on the Willow series. And I stand by what I said. It's definitely... Not for me. There are a lot of things that they did well, and I, I actually kind of wanted to see the story develop. I, I think them abandoning Willow is, again, premature. I think there's, there, is, there is a story there. There's a story to tell. And although it may not be for me, I think pulling it from their, their lineup is... Is bad. I mean, uh, I don't think just because something doesn't fill out the way someone was hoping doesn't mean that it's not for someone else. And let's face it, all right? There's a lot to watch. There's a lot of things to stream. In fact, there's things that I've been waiting to watch for the summer as I'm watching other shows. I mean, my, my, my list on some of the the platforms is ridiculous of okay add this to my list so that i can come back to it i want to watch this but i'm more intrigued with that toughest 100 being a perfect example i i loved that show it 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 was awesome and probably one of the best uh, just live reality shows of of the year for me and I'm excited for another one. I keep saying excited because I am. I'm over the top. Just tough as 100. Ugh, absolutely. I'm pissed that the two people that I was cheering for didn't make it. They didn't win. And it is, I mean, with tough as 100, it's, it's hilarious because it's the dialogue and the dubbing because it's so bad and it's so drama-filled that I can't help but laugh. But watching them do this show is just inspiring and the willow series i think may have missed the mark for a lot of fans it may have been something that didn't resonate as well as disney had hoped but that doesn't mean you scrap the whole thing i would still leave it on there i would still hope that you would see residual people coming back to it again there's a lot to watch 
there's so many streaming services, and this is something that harkens back to the early days of this podcast when streaming just had started. And the onslaught now that we face has come true. All of these shows, all of these things, all these renditions and, and so many moving parts, it's hard to keep track of what is where. I get Amazon confused with Paramount Plus all the freaking time because I'm, I'm in between shows. I got to organize it somehow, and it's not easy to do. Some of the things I don't even have streaming services for that keep popping up, like, you should watch this. Well, I would like to. Oh, it's Apple TV. Well, shit. So much for that idea. The approach of the streaming services has gotten deep. It, it, it is now retention. It is now what can we wow them with and what do we need? Amazon is, and this is a story that I talked about a couple podcasts ago, sacking uh, Grand Tour in Clarkson Farm based on Jeremy Clarkson's bad attitude. We'll just leave it at that. I still love the show. I know they're not going to pull it because it still draws. It still brings people, and it may not have the attention as the first run, but there's still a pull. I honestly think that if you put Willow out there and you give it enough time, if you let it have enough traction, unless it completely like fell off, I mean, just right into the tank... I still think there's some value to it. I still think in the long, if you play the long game, if you look at this from a standpoint of, is there, are there people? Are there enough people to pull this back or rethink our decision? Everyone is so quick to pull this. And then, next thing you know, it becomes a cult classic. You got everyone that's quoting it and talking about it, and it has a resurgence. And I think that is what they're missing. And they're missing an opportunity to have a resurgence. They're missing an opportunity to make this a cult classic. Not everything is destined to be a cult classic. I get that. Some things are like, well, this is the next cult classic. And nope, it just goes right into the bin. Is Willow the next cult classic? We'll never know. Could it have been? Yeah. The film itself is probably... Actually, I know it's Red's favorite. And I have very fond feelings about the film. And that's why I went through the entire series and the character development and everything else did progress. And maybe it's just because what it's competing against for the same era. You've got, you know, The Witcher, Vox Machina, Dungeons and Dragons. There's a lot of different things that people are trying to do and show each other up and have the same kind of platforms, but you're not getting the same numbers. So what do you do? I don't think you pull it. I don't think you shelve it. I don't think you cut it off. I honestly think you continue to promote it. You keep pushing and see if you can get traction. And I know a lot of people come out of the gate saying just how bad it was. And that's usually the case, especially with Scooby-Doo or the Velma series, because that is garbage. And they are bringing that back for a second season. And it shouldn't. There's just no reason for that. And I know it kind of contradicts what I just said. But when it's that bad out of the gate, the only thing that's going to improve it is blowing it to hell. That's it. Uh, because, oh, so bad. But I digress. I don't know. 
uh, I, I don't know anything. Who am I kidding? I'm, I'm just, I'm just an influencer. I'm just a podcaster. I'm just this guy on the other end of the microphone. But I have vision, and according to Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's all you need. Vision. See where you're going. Yeah, that's right. I watched his three-part uh, documentary on Netflix. <laughs> uh, you know what? Again, I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I always have. I always will. The man is an icon. The man is legend. And just to see, you know, his his burrows, because I follow him. He's got donkeys. I follow him on Instagram, and, you know, he's always posting stuff about his little donkeys and feeding them and doing all that. And to see kind of the kinder, gentler side of Arnold Schwarzenegger as he sits there, flexes, and, you know, puffs down on a cigar during these interviews. <laughs> so freaking good. So uh, if you're an Arnold fan, there are some enlightening things and I think some very truisms, some ways of thought that I think you can carry on in your everyday life. Arnold Schwarzenegger is of many, many things, but at least he's honest, and he calls it as he sees it, and he has some things that I don't think everyone is going to agree with. But again, I think disagreeing and, and having a different point of view is what we're all about, and having those moments of coming together to see the commonality and moving forward, that's that's what we need. I think that's that's what's missing. At least it has been. Well, that I've seen around town. But that's, that's me digressing. Watch Arnold Schwarzenegger. Watch everything else. Come to Denver Fan Expo next week. We will be there. I will be there. We are excited to be there. So, uh, yeah, I guess that about sums it up. And on that bombshell, we shall say goodbye. We will see you uh, at the con. We will be back on in a couple of weeks after the con because I'm going to probably need to take a break or at least get a nap in. But, you know, hey, that's just me. I could be wrong. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night!